Our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Hear now the word of the Lord. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you for whatever more you spend." Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The story of the Good Samaritan is one of the most famous of all of Jesus' parables. I'm sure that we are all rather familiar with it already. It's about a Samaritan who comes along and is kind and compassionate towards a stranger in need when others who could have helped the man did not. So go and do likewise, Jesus commands. It's pretty straightforward, right? But remember, this story is told within the context of a theological debate Jesus is having with a religious lawyer, an expert on the Jewish law who had come to test Jesus. And those debates always contained more than meets the eye. So our text begins when this lawyer comes to Jesus and asks him, what must he do to inherit eternal life, perhaps trying to test Jesus' understanding of the law. But as Jesus often does, he responds to a question with a question. He says, hey, 
You're the expert on the law. How do you interpret it? And so the lawyer expertly quotes from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, perhaps repeating something he has heard Jesus say in his own teachings. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, A plus, you nailed it. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer's not going to let Jesus off the hook that easily. After all, if he was going to follow the law in a precise fashion, as many of the religious leaders were determined to do, then he needed to know exactly what the parameters were. Now, the love the Lord your God part, he knew he had covered. After all, he thought loving God meant obeying God's laws, and the lawyers had that down to a science. It was the love your neighbor part that left some wiggle room. Now, for a religious-minded Jew, a neighbor was basically any law-abiding member of your own people. Certainly, it did not include Gentiles like the despised Romans and definitely not the hated half-breed Samaritans. Jewish writings also said that sinners need not be included. And yet, in the Old Testament, God commanded the Israelites to love the stranger in your midst. Well, that's a bit ambiguous. So this lawyer wants to know the limits of exactly whom it is he's required to love. After all, the text tells us the man wanted to justify himself, to make himself righteous in order to achieve eternal life. In other words, he wanted to save himself, as if salvation is ever anything other than a gift. But in order to know what was required of him, he asks Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's hear your definition, Jesus, perhaps wondering if you might include all those sinners Jesus loved to spend time with. So, as he often does, Jesus tells a story. He says, there was once a man going down the 17-mile journey from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers who beat him half to death and took everything he had, including his clothing. Now, you have to understand that in the Middle East, clothing and speech were the primary ways of identifying someone, of telling where they are from and what group they belong to. But this man is beaten unconscious and stripped naked. So, no way to identify him which made determining whether or not this person qualified as one's neighbor rather difficult. And so a, a priest happens to come along, and when he sees this man beside the road, he passes around on the other side. Now, to be sure, there were a lot of rules uh, that dictated how a priest was supposed to act. If this man was a fellow Jew in need, then the priest was obligated to help him. But again, there's no way to tell. 
On top of that, priests were forbidden from coming into contact with dead bodies unless it was a very close relative. If the priest went over to help this man and he turned out to be dead, then he would become ritually defiled, unable to carry out any priestly duties. So perhaps, caught between conflicting rules and uncertainty, he just decided to play it safe and continue on by. Well, then comes along a Levite who was a, a temple assistant who surely would have known that the priest was on the road ahead of him. But because he also was unable to identify this man, he just decided to follow the priest's lead and he also passed by on the other side. Well, then, of course, comes along a Samaritan. Now, if you recall, Samaritans were the worst of the worst to the Jews. They were like Nazi, communist, fascist, slave trading, child molesting Georgia fans. <laughs> and when this hated Samaritan saw this likely enemy in need, lying helpless, in a ditch, he is filled with compassion. And he interrupts his journey and puts his own life at risk to go and help the man. After all, those robbers could still be nearby. But he binds up the man's wounds and he puts the man up on his own animal and takes him down to an inn where he cares for the man himself, making up for the failures of the priest and the Levite. And then he entrusts this man into the care of the innkeeper. And he pays for everything himself. So Jesus says to the lawyer, which one of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man in need? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Notice, he can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. But did you notice how Jesus flipped the lawyer's question around? You see, for Jesus, the question is not, who is your neighbor as if some people are and some people are not? No, the real question is, to whom is God calling you to become a neighbor? And the answer is yes. If you have to ask, the answer is yes. Now, Maybe becoming a neighbor means we just have to tolerate certain people. You know, just smile, grit our teeth, and keep unpleasant thoughts to ourselves. You know, like we were taught when we were children, if you don't have something nice to say, then don't say anything at all. I mean, we can handle that, can't we? At least most of the time, or, or maybe some of the time. Isn't that good enough? Well, no. Jesus says we have to love them. And as his own life makes clear, love goes way beyond 
civility. Of course, we're not really confused about that, are we? I mean, we may not like it, and we'll try to find just about any excuse under the sun to get us off the hook from having to do it, but we get it. Jesus calls us to swallow our pride and show compassion to anyone who is in need, even if they're people that we don't like, even if they're people who do not like us. We're supposed to love even people who drive us nuts and make our blood boil, people who treat us unkindly and who make life unpleasant for us. Remember, Jesus did command us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us, but mm, man, that's hard, isn't it? I mean, we have a hard enough time loving the people we do like much of the time, never mind the ones who make our lives difficult. And we all have them, don't we? I wonder, who is the person in your life you most struggle to love? Is it that boss or coworker who makes your work life miserable? Or the child who so frustrates you or who's broken your heart so many times? The in-law who always pushes your buttons? The, the parent who is never satisfied? Maybe it's the bully who harasses you at school or the, the teacher who won't give you a break or that ex-spouse who just continues to make your life so difficult. Maybe it's that person you have bent over backwards to help but who's just so ungrateful or the one who hurt you so badly who just refuses to even acknowledge what they've done. Whoever it is, we know that Jesus commands us to love them, to show compassion for them, even to sacrifice ourselves for them. Yet no matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to do it. Go and do likewise? <laughs> Jesus might as well tell us to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle. It just seems impossible. Fortunately, we're all in this boat together, are we not? Many years ago, a famous experiment took place at Princeton Theological Seminary. The researchers had the students fill out a questionnaire and then told them they had an assignment to complete, which was to prepare a talk about the story of the Good Samaritan that they had been studying in class. Unfortunately, this talk was to take place at a building on the other side of campus, and because, uh, because of a tight schedule, they actually had to hurry over there right away to give it. Now, unbeknownst to the students, the researchers had placed along the route to the other building an actor to play the part of an ailing man in distress, slumped in an alley, coughing and suffering. And the real question of this experiment was, having spent time studying the story of the Good Samaritan, how would these students respond to this 
stranger in need? Would they become a neighbor to him? Well, the answer was a resounding no. Most of the students just passed by on the other side, rushing right past this man in need. One student even stepped over the man's body in his hurry to go give a talk about the Good Samaritan. And these were seminary students. The truth of the matter is, none of us are very good at becoming a neighbor. I mean, we know what's required of us. Jesus is very clear about that. But we just can't seem to do it. Despite our best intentions and even occasionally our best efforts, our pride and our selfishness, our past and our hurt, our fear and our skepticism have just way too much power over us, preventing us from obeying Jesus' command to go and do likewise. In the words of retired seminary professor Tom Long, for all of our religious virtues and attitudes, we just cannot do it. We are helpless to become good Samaritans on our own strength. In other words, we are the person in the ditch, the one who lies helpless and wounded beside the road, the one who needs to be rescued. And along comes a good Samaritan, a good Samaritan named Jesus, despised and rejected, who comes to save us, speaks tenderly to us, lifts us into his arms, and takes us to the place of healing. As Paul says, while we were still God's enemies, God saw us lying half dead in a ditch and had compassion, and in Jesus Christ came down to save us. Despite our repeated failures and our inability to love even ourselves, Jesus has come alongside us and at the cost of his own life has become a neighbor to us all. And it is only as we learn to live in Christ and to see Christ in one another that we will ever become the neighbor that Jesus is calling us to be. After all, only Jesus can love the people in our lives that we can't. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But when we become overwhelmed with gratitude for the mercy that we have received, and when we commit our lives to knowing and serving Jesus as his faithful disciple, seeking his will rather than our own, then by a miracle of the Holy Spirit, Jesus 
will love those difficult people through us. And we will love Jesus through them. Remember, Jesus said, Whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. So maybe in the end it means that those of us who have experienced the merciful love of God in Jesus Christ are called not only to be neighbors, but innkeepers caring for the people that Jesus brings into our lives, especially here at church, which is supposed to be a place of healing. I mean, Jesus brings people through our doors every Sunday. People who are lonely or hurting or or curious. People who need a community, a, a place to belong, a place of healing. And he's asking us to show our love for him by taking care of them on his behalf. And the hospitality that we show to the visitors and the strangers among us and the way we care for one another will determine the kind of neighbor that we have become to Jesus. And when he returns, the love and the hospitality that we have shown or not shown, we will be held accountable for. After all, love your neighbor was not just a helpful suggestion, but a command. And yet, According to Jesus, obeying that command is the path to eternal life because the only way it can be done is in union with Christ. You see, Jesus' response to the lawyers basically, you want to live? Then stop trying to save your own life and start giving yourself away to others. Stop trying to determine the limits of whom you're required to love and become a compassionate neighbor to anyone who is in need, even if they're a stranger, even if they drive you nuts and make your blood boil. Surrender your life to me so that I can live through you. And with my strength, You will find yourself loving people you never dreamed you could. And you'll discover what it truly means to be alive. May it be so.